Hey, welcome back to Offscript Podcast. I'm Connor Peters. I'm with Eric Miner today. Eric, we had a really busy weekend. Thank you for joining me today. Connor, we had the busiest of cinematic weekends. It's been a while since we've seen that many good films, shows, and everything in between. And we got a little NBA basketball. Playoff basketball. That, yeah. Somehow fit in there for the first two rounds of the NBA playoffs. <laughs> right. Uh, Eric, first off, I just want to thank you for joining today's episode. We're here talking the Battle of Winterfell. Everyone, uh, the official title is The Long Night, but we're just going to basically refer to it as the Battle of Winterfell, if that's fine. Eric, you fine with that? Absolutely. Perfect. I honestly forget that it's called The Battle of the Long Night. So, yeah, like, you know? yep. I, the thing is, now the, this year's season, they aren't really doing any of the show titles, uh, beforehand, they kind of announced them for some reason after the show, which just seems an odd choice, but whatever. You know, Hollywood types, they're always dramatic. Uh, Eric, yeah. speaking of dramatic, really quickly, let me get your take on Avengers Endgame. Hot take, go see it. I don't care what you're <laughs> doing. Go see it. It's awesome. You will love it. Anyone who has been following Marvel since the beginning with the first Iron Man when Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. resurrected Marvel out of nothing, you will appreciate it. No spoilers here. You will you will like it. Hundred percent, and I concur. Also, go listen to our last podcast. Me, Brendan, and Nathaniel are on there, and uh, we're just talking about in-game our instant reactions. And we're gonna have some more in-game podcasts coming at you soon. So stay tuned. Great movie. A lot more to break down with that, and kind of where Marvel goes from there. Now, on to the most important topic of today. Should the Spurs have fouled when they were up down four with 25 seconds left? <laughs> you know, there are so many fouls that are or are not called in the NBA. If we want to talk about fouls, maybe we talk about UVA in the national championship. Or we talk about James oh, Harden. Oh, wait. We don't want to talk about that. There's too many fouls given and not given. Just play the game. James Hardy gets way too many foul calls. I'm sorry. So, by the way, Eric, <laughs> I, I want to tell you, I got one criticism on our last Game of Thrones podcast. Uh, What's that? An anonymous viewer who knows who they are said that they enjoyed the episode, or listener, I'm sorry, not viewer, listener, said they enjoyed the episode. However, they didn't like the fact that we opened it up talking UVA basketball. So here's our apologies. They said they they thought it was constructive criticism for us. <laughs> well, to all the tech fans out there, <laughs> fair enough. We won one for the Commonwealth. <laughs> it's it's a hundred percent a tech alumni. Not pointing fingers, but I'm just letting you, letting them know that we're aware and we're going to do everything to to change it. But at the same time, it's really hard for us to give Virginia Tech a title. So. That's all we're going to say there. There's no... <laughs> when Tech wins the national championship, I will stand near the front of the line and cheer for them. Whoa, now. Whoa, now. We don't have to get crazy out here, Eric. We don't have to... We can't be lying on our podcast. My goodness. <laughs> all right. You're right. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of being out, though, cheering, uh, let's talk about uh, Game of Thrones talk about how they have all of our favorite characters on the front lines, how they somehow seemingly all survive, and break down what was 
slightly a controversial episode, but overall we agree, a really cool episode with a lot of violence, a lot of action. So stay tuned. Thank you all for listening. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Also make sure to subscribe on Apple, Stitcher, uh, or Spotify podcast, and rate and review us. Thank you guys so much for listening, and here we go. And here we go. Guys, Battle of Winterfell, there are spoilers ahead. This is the only spoiler warning I think I need to give. If you haven't seen the Battle of Winterfell, the Long Night, whatever whatever name you want to give it, just don't listen to our podcast until you do. I think that's a fair, <laughs> fair argument, right, Eric? Please, oh, please, oh, please, if you have not seen Battle of Winterfell, and we are calling it Battle of Winterfell, yeah. Please stop listening immediately and go watch this. Real talk, Battle of Winterfell is such a cooler name. Much better than The Long Night. So Much better. I, 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 like, I like off script. I think we're in the right direction here. Eric, uh, I'm going to jump right in with you, man. What was your rapid reaction after the episode ended? Well, lots and lots of reactions. For one, I'm very glad with how it ended. With how, okay, great, good guys win. However... We got some good deaths, but I'm kind of wondering how in the world did it just miraculously happen that all of the characters that we liked and are important are still alive? Yeah, um, great question. I wish I had a good answer for you. I don't. We aren't in the writer's room. But I'm kind of the same way. I thought the episode was a great Game of Thrones episode. It was a little dark at times. I think they should have just cut up turn on some candles or something, however it works out there. Melisandre needed to use her firepower a little bit uh, more throughout the episode to light things up, but overall, enjoyable episode. Kept me on my feet. It, it felt like a suspense thriller. Maybe it was just me, but... Oh, totally did. I was... People I was watching it with, everybody was all commenting on that it was just... It seemed like more of a thriller. It didn't seem like a, uh, you know, like a medieval action death movie it was like oh there's there's a lot of suspense to it like we we were all leaning on the edge of our seat watching this very aria in the library uh, great scene and that got me slightly petrified where she's tiptoeing around everywhere <laughs> just whites like really really close by and then she goes in and like stabs the one as she turns a corner and your heart just drops uh, i saw on twitter someone said their Fitbit, congratulated them on the hour-and-a-half workout because their heartbeat was over 100 beats per minute (laughs) for the past (laughs) hour. (laughs) (laughs) That's accurate. Oh, my gosh. I'd say watching Arya, like, just, you know, dive, dump, dive, and dodge, and, you know, like, time it when the, the White Walkers are searching under the desk after she's got blood dripping down. I mean, it's like she's in a video game, you oh, know, it's one of those yeah. where you got to get to the next level by dodging all the dumb dead men. It's like Assassin's Creed, uh, you know, the Batman, like, Arkham Asylum stuff. Also, did you reference Dodgeball? I may, may or may not. Uh, no, I'm perfectly fine with that. I just wanted to double check that you said she was dodge, duck, dip, dive. I was like, yes. More of that, please. White Goodman, coming at you. In honor of 
attached as a hooligan. <laughs> oh, I can quote Dodgeball all day. We need to get off that. Uh, so, Eric, I want to jump into a segment that we have here. While it's a bit fresh for us, this episode, while it delivered on a lot of uh, a variety of different levels for you, emotionally we see some some sad deaths, we see some characters you know overcome some obstacles in their life. Uh, Theon, for example, right? Like he's always kind of that brand sitting by there, and I know we'll talk about that soon. I just want to ask you, what was your personal favorite scene from the episode? Before I give my personal favorite scene, I do want to give an honorable mention shout out to the Dothraki channeling their inner forward the light brigade <laughs> march. And let's just for all those who have watched, let me just give uh, let me just give a little quote, a little expert uh, or excerpt, I should say. Forward the light brigade. Was there a man dismayed? Not though the soldier knew someone had blundered. There's not to make reply. There's not to reason why. There's but to do or die. Into the valley of death rode the 600. Is that or is that not what the Dothraki did at the beginning of the episode? Oh, that's exactly what they did. And I mean, they walked into the valley of death and did not turn around. Except for Jorah somehow. <laughs> Anywho, yeah. the scene from the blind side. I'm not going to say that I just remember that poem in my head. I first had to remember the blind side and then had to remember the dad quoting that. But I digress. Favorite scene had to be, uh, well, I mean, some, one of us has to say it. It's Arya at the end delivering the final blow, shattering the Night King. Not only, I would say, not successfully killing him the first time, but nearly dying, dropping the blade, catching it, and stabbing him directly where the Children of the Forest had plunged the dagger into his chest some, what, thousand years ago? Yeah. That seems, I mean, I feel like it was, yeah, I mean, he's been alive for a while, so we'll say a thousand. That worked. But, you know, endless night. He, he's, been, he's been awake for quite a while. I like it. Uh, great, great uh, kind of analysis there. I kind of forgot that he, he was stabbed in the heart with dragon glass. I mean, quick question for you. Going forward. Do we just have to stab someone else in the heart with dragon glass to turn them back into a White Walker? Mm, no idea. Or do you have to be well? There, there's got to be some magic involved. The Children of the Forest have some magic to them. So, That's true. While there's still while there's still dragons in the world, while there's still two living dragons, I suppose it's possible. I really hope not. Yeah, I would. I would concur. Uh, it's. <laughs> It's a bit frightening to think that there could be more White Walkers. And I've seen some theories where, you know, like kind-hearted individuals are saying that they don't think the Night King's completely dead. Uh, I hate to burst their bubbles, but I would think after what we saw, he's completely dead. You know, if there's two ways that we see somebody, well, there's a few ways we see people are actually, actually dead in Game of Thrones. Uh, typically, they involve, they involve uh, heads being you know, forcibly removed from their bodies, uh, having their heads squeezed all of the mountain and over in. Uh, this would be a third way, literally shattering into a thousand feet. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> Concur. Oh, that was a really fun death, actually. 
in in the time the second like when you're watching it was cool that she stabbed him in retrospect we'll i will get to that we have we have a few things that i know we would like to change so we'll get to that later but uh yeah in the moment it was awesome and we love aria we're we, we're fans of aria we aren't all of a sudden those people that are saying aria's been my favorite since day one like really because you were just tweeting about danny 30 minutes before the episode started no that doesn't matter <laughs> No, we're going to be consistent in the fact that we have thought she's been cool for years, and the fact that if there was anybody who was going to have their own spin-off series, it would be Arya about her travels as an assassin in the East. Oh, yes, but, I would love that. Yeah. Spin-off series that of Arya? That would be awesome. Completely. So, down for that. Love where your head's at, Eric. But we probably would have picked someone else to kill the Night King. I would have personally killed... The Celts, sorry. I would have picked John to kill him. Just because, you know, he was resurrected from the dead, supposedly, to fight the Night King. And I guess that just isn't going to happen. So, cool? Agreed. Yeah. Good Good to know. Thank you. And another character I guess we could have seen killing him. I actually was kind of hoping maybe Theon. Because, you know, Theon, to a certain level, he has nothing really left. And if he kills the Night King and dies while doing it, I mean, he brings a lot more honor to his family. Oh, and he brought a lot of honor to his family anyway. So, uh, but yeah, great scene. Arya has the has just an insane vertical, by the way. She has like a sixty inch vertical, and she's got the long jump and everything too to cover that much distance. So good for her. She's an NFL combine dream. <laughs> and with her size, she'd be a shifty running back. She would be, and she's quiet. Think about it. she snuck through the army of the dead. Yeah, so. Running back, or she'd be an incredible cover corner. <laughs> we have a lot of past possibilities for her. Uh, I just want to point out my favorite scene before we kind of get into some of the sadder moments. My favorite scene was actually when... It was a sad moment. It's when uh, Tyrion and Sansa are in the crypts. I, I love when they first talk and basically she tells them, oh, you're the best of my husbands. And I'm going to include Joffrey in there because, I mean, they're a betrothed. <laughs> And he he just looks at her and says, well, how terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. He says, what a tragic thought. Yeah. Like, I mean, I love Tyrion. He's a great person. And I do love his banter back and forth with her. Because this season we've seen so far, she tells him, you know, you I used to think you were the cleverest man alive. And now look at you. So... I love how we're, they've taken Sansa's character, not so much Tyrion's, but my actual favorite scene is when the crypts become unsafe. You know, you guys, you can only tell us 25 times the previous episode that the crypts are safe, but we know by the 23rd that they probably aren't going to be, and you're just you're just lying to us now. So that's what happens. Yeah, uh, Eric, the crypt. Like really, it's like Lily and How I Met Your Mother saying, "Say that one more time, and I'll believe you." Right. It turns out, plot twist, the crypts aren't safe. So the army, with the leader that can raise the dead, he is actually, and I know it's hard to believe this, he's actually still has the power to raise the dead. So staying essentially in the underground cemetery for protection, probably not a great call. Probably not a great idea. Shocking. Shocking enough. We've learned that John isn't great at military strategy. Because the show needs him to lose for some reason? I don't know. 
the show basically needs them to get to win initially, get beat to the point where they're about to lose, and then get saved at the last second. That's basically all of John's planning. And, and, and granted, he's undefeated. However, he's not great until that last second. Uh, but well, to, to be fair, his, his KD ratio is still lower than all of the other living people because he has died once. Oh, that's true. Yeah, see, that's why you're on this podcast, Eric, because you always bring up stuff like that. And that, that's what I need. His, bring him back the nerdy, the nerdy Call of Duty game, you know? Man, <laughs> speaking of nerdy Call of Duty games, Fortnite was in Avengers Endgame. That's all I'm going to say. No spoilers, but Fortnite was in Avengers Endgame. And, yeah, I, I don't want to get too into details, but... Don't you give any other spoilers. No, I, I will say, when I saw that, I thought of my brother... Because he sits up there and basically is facing off against Drummer Boy 52. <laughs> and it's a little kid who he just starts making fun of. So, point is, we've come a long way with video games. So, Eric, my actual favorite scene, though, is right when they're about to die. Sansa and Tyrion do a nice little gesture to each other where he, they're like holding hands and he goes and kisses her hand and they both have dragon glass and i actually thought they were both gonna go out and try to kill some and just like hey we're gonna die but we're gonna go down fighting right uh-huh. turned out that wasn't really what was going on there they just went over and saw Varys while they were all hiding out waiting for all the people that they didn't know to finish dying kind of a weird i, I will say kind of weird there not gonna uh not not gonna argue it but it was kind of an odd way to to do that anyway I do oh, like yeah. that scene right well, before where they look, they look at each other, though, and they, they realize they have that understanding of this is it. Let's go out fighting. And they go around, and I thought they were about to go and kill some whites. And eh, not as much, but still. It was an effective, and it was a very fun, very, I guess, emotional scene with two characters who we've come to love over the years. Oh, yeah, and especially two characters that we really didn't like at first. I mean, Sansa, I mean, she was a brat in the first season. And you're like, you're, you know, you stupid girl, you don't know anything. And then she realizes. <laughs> and then she says that about herself. Anything. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and now she's, you know, like she admits in the last season, she's a slow learner, but she learns. And you have Tyrion, who's just, you know, the re- like Danny says, the reason why he's alive is because of his brain. And, you know, so you have two, probably right now, two of the, most intelligent people in all of the Seven Kingdoms who were even married. And probably now a part of them is realizing, hey, you know, maybe we should have been married. We might have actually worked out well. <laughs> I'm very true. And, and, you know, it's it's an odd, odd idea to throw out with three episodes left. Just saying. Just saying. So we'll see. But I, I think that will come into play here in... In the near future for us. So, all right, uh, let's jump. If it's all right with you, Eric, I want to jump right in here, man, and just ask you what was the saddest death for you? Well, saddest one is probably the first, I'll call it, quote, big death, if you will, was, uh, was you know, our, our favorite of the, maybe not favorite of the Night's nice Watch, but one of the original uh, crew with John and Sam, uh, their buddy Ed. You know, he has the, you know, pretty heroic moment of saving who else, but, you know, 
Mr. Portly himself, Samuel Charlie, you know, somehow that man survives all the White Walker attacks. He gets saved, Ed stabs the White Walker, and he's good, and then he gets stabbed in the back. Um, you know, that one I'd call one of the saddest because it, it, it was pretty unexpected in that moment. As far as the people who you thought could have died in this episode, he's definitely right at the top of the list of saying, oh yeah, he's definitely going to go out in battle. Um, but it's just sad. You know, it's like in the end of an era. It's like a, a more or less a childhood friend for them uh, at all intents and purposes. And... Oh, completely. I, I definitely agree with you there. Uh, I mean, Ed dying it was very sad. And, and that's got the episode going. Ed died about 15, 20 minutes in. Pretty quick there for us. I was gonna look it up, but you know I don't. I don't need to right now. Either way, you know Ed dying was a sad, sad thing to witness because it's with Sam right there, and and they're buds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're all, and it's right. Oh, it's right in this part. Like there are many times during this battle where you look and said, "Oh, yep, Jamie, he should have died right there. Torment, he should have yes. been dead right there." Well, right in that scene. Jamie, Tormund, and Sam, they all should have died right in that moment. But who dies? It's Ed being the big hero. Oh, it was sad. R.I.P. to Ed. Uh, you know, we're going to take a, a brief moment of silence here. All right, great. <laughs> I said I was going to be brief. <laughs> that, was, that was the Ben Carson moment of silence at the first debate. <laughs> Throwback, everyone. Throwback to 2015. Easier, simpler times. Uh, all right. Now, in regards, so we have Ed, Ed dying. That was sad. Uh, we also have Jorah, which was a sad death, but he died staving off the White Walker, or the Whites, and saving Daenerys, and that's all he ever wanted to do. So that death is sad because we love Jorah, and, I mean, my poor man, he was in the friend zone. Question. Should Danny just as he was dying said I love you to him to make his heart swell once? <laughs> or something else swell. Well, I man, no, you said it not me. <laughs> but I'm just gonna throw that out to you. His pride, Connor, his pride. Yeah, exactly. She <laughs> Danny, if she just comes out and says, I love you to him, right? That's all she says is, Hey, I love you. And he dies. There's no harm in that. Except maybe he's very emotionally upset of, oh, she was always into me and look at me now. Like, I never got her. Crap. Oof. You know, that would have just been, that would have been tough to watch because deep down, I mean, she, I mean, it's very clear that he is forever friend-zoned and I think he's known that for a few seasons now. But that would have just been cruel. What would have been funnier is if, uh, well, Here's what would have been funny is if she had said, if she had said, I love you, and he had just pulled a Han Solo and said, I know. That would have been funny. <laughs> that would have been. But I actually like this scene that plays out. Amelia Clark gets a lot of grief from the fandom about her acting, and some of it's deserved. You know, the Where is My Dragons line is made fun of all the time. However, I thought she was very convincing in this episode at the end where she's crying and weeping over him because you realize they've been together since the first episode or maybe the second episode where they get married. Either way, I mean, he's been in the entire show with her and they've been together. Uh 
through Khal Drogo, through Yunkai, through the Red Waste, being almost left at the gates of Karth. So, you know, I, I love Danny as a character for the most part, and I did like how Amelia Clark portrayed him. Uh, I'm sorry. Amelia Clark portrayed her just sadness and her pain from losing Jorah because that would be a devastating loss. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting you point that out because the one thing to note about Danny is the fact that all the people around her, she commands a tremendous amount of loyalty and respect besides the fact that she's cruel and in terms, in to the, she's cruel to the people who, you know, she feels are unjust or who stand in her way. But, I mean, he's one of the few people that she's actually truly vulnerable to. Um, like you said, and also all of these characters, look at Jorah, uh, Grey Worm, I mean, even Masandi of sorts, or Dario and Empyrean, really all these people, they kind of have these moments of redemption and like second and third chances and new leases on life because of Danny. And so they're all, they're all loyal to her. And, uh, you know, you see Jorah as like a culmination of all that. Like he was exiled, just dead in the water, and Danny gave him another chance. And then exiled him, but then he came back again. Right. It, it, that shows, especially in the show, I actually do like how she reverberates that energy where so many people want to be around her. They, they want to call her Misa. You know, Jorah says, I want to be next to her when she takes the Iron Throne, and, and he's close. But he protected her. A extremely sad scene um, unfolds there. So R.I.P., to our buddy Jorah Mormont, Jorah the Andel, a good man till the end. And like you said, he did some terrible things to her, but he ended up, he ended up, I think, being a net positive, especially with Danny. Uh, so. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. Despite his uh, selling secrets about her early on, he was, she wildly benefited from having him in her life. Significant, yes. I mean, I remember. One of my favorite Game of Thrones scenes is when the dragons come to life and he sees her. He's the first one that sees her and immediately goes on one knee and says, like, blood of my blood. Uh-huh. Like, he, you see right then, he's willing to give his life for her. I mean, he sees this girl work a miracle and he realizes who she is, you know, what she can become. So, uh, love that. I love Jorah. I know we talked about Ed and Jorah, I thought, just needed a good, a good talking about. Uh, Theon. Oh, Theon Greyjoy. Eric, Theon, I thought, had the saddest death. Let's just recap Theon for the, for the fans. Also, great article that you wrote on Theon. Go check it out at offscriptonline.com. Poor, poor Theon finally, finally decided to fight for House Stark. He was... <laughs> Right? I mean, he he, won, he didn't know if he was a Greyjoy, he didn't know if he was a Stark, so he was in between, rode the, you know, in between road where he just got decimated and mistreated by the Northerners because he went with the Iron Islanders, and the Iron Islanders, for the most part, treated him terribly up until he, you know, him and Yara are kind of together in the sixth season. But man, he went through a tough road, and to defend Bran and Bran to look at him and say... You're a good man, Theon. Oh, that's a heartbreak there. It's, yeah. It's, you know, for all these characters, we were just talking about redemption with Danny and how all the characters, 
stay with her as a result. Well, Dion, for better or worse, right then and there, he's, you know, he's had bits along the way of Yara finally respecting him as an Island Islander and giving him the option to become a star. We've had Santa accepting him back into the fold. I mean, right here and there, Bran, who is the, the smartest, most the wisest person, supposedly, in all the Seven Kingdoms, declaring he's a good man. I mean, right then and there, he's redeemed. He's, you know, he finally is beyond Stark, if you will. I like how you put that. Nice job. You know, if he would have died, I guess as a, as a fan, we do want some of these deaths to mean so, to mean something in in a in a one context or another. So, for example, we needed Jorah if he was going to die, it had to be in service to Danny. If, like, for example, last year if he would have died at the stupid Frozen Lake battle. I wouldn't have been upset because he told Danny, let me go help you. Like, let me go get this for you. Uh, so his death, I thought, made sense. Theon's was the same way. If Theon didn't die for Yara or for one of the Starks, it, it would have felt maybe a little cheap. And I, I thought they did a great job with that. Um, him charging the Night King. Didn't like that. I think it's a, it's a stupid strategy. You know, wait, let him come to you. If he would have... Because and this is actually what we're about to get on this, Eric. And this is something that <laughs> I, I get to get irritated with. Man, if Theon would have basically been able to delay the Night King, even do like a one-on-one fight, okay, delays him but then dies, but him delaying allows for Arya to show up and at the last second kill the Night King. I think that would have been cool. That would have been cool, like as in while. While the, instead of the Night King being ready to display Bran, if he's instead about ready to slash Theon, if Arya instead jumps out of that moment and attacks him. Yes, or, or he could have killed Theon, but basically Theon takes time away. For example, Theon charges him, and realistically that was a 10-second ordeal where he just snaps the stick and then stabs him. Bam. Right? Like, he didn't slow down the Night King hardly any. Where if Theon actually slowed his, slows him down... And then if he dies, but then Arya then, like, basically, you know, the Night King stabs him with his sword and then turns to Bran and is about, like, to do the same thing. And then Arya comes out and stabs him. Then it's like, oh, like, no, what, Theon, he died. But guess what? He bought an extra minute, which was needed for Arya to come through in the clutch. Um, with what we got. Been, that would have been cool. Although we're also saying this in hindsight, I don't think we would have, it would have made much of a a difference to be honest. Also saying at the time, well, how in the world would Theon have known? And obviously nobody knew that Arya was somehow managing to sneak by hundreds and hundreds of White Walkers. Completely. You know so, what would have worked, though, is if Bran, like, Bran says you're a good man, and he says, and all you need Theon to say is, I'll stay by your side till the end, right? And have him just give an a, a aggressive motion with his spear, like, I'm going to, I'm, you have to come through me, Right. And then the Night King goes up and they like duke it out briefly. Because that's the only piece that this episode missed was there was no, man, there was no good fighting between White Walkers or the Night King and like people with Valyrian swords, which is, we've been building up for this for now years. And we don't get one cool White Walker fight? Ah, that's so disappointing. All right. We're kind of moving towards this direction anyway. So we do actually have a few 
bits that we want to talk about, uh, we are slightly critical of the episode. So, Eric, you could change one aspect of this episode. So, let's say Benioff and Weiss hired us as consultants, and they said, we want you guys to read this script. All right, and this is how it's going to play out, storyboard. And we see it. Eric, what's one aspect... And you know, it doesn't have to just be one, but what's something that you would have gone in and immediately told them to re- redo or to change, make different? What's one aspect of this episode that you would change? Well, I'm just going to stick to one. If I had gotten the script and saw, and they they had said afterwards that they had been planning for this for years that Arya was going to be the one to kill the Night King. I would have said, okay, I like your creative genius. That's fine. We'll do that. However, Arya has to die in that way. Maybe not exactly how, you know, they killed, say, Lady Mormon. But in her final breath, she should have been similar to how, uh, let's say, take over it, for instance, how she delivered the final poison blow and then died. But in some way, shape, or form, Arya should have been just at the point of about to die and just with her final breath kill the Night King and then Arya would have been done. Because, I, not because I would have wanted Arya to die. She's one of the favorite characters in all of Game of Thrones. But it would be in the spirit of Game of Thrones and in just how we've been used to seeing characters go. Our favorite characters always die. They have the unexpected death. And their death sometimes means something, but sometimes don't. But they're always unexpected. I'm okay with that. I like it. It's a soul for a soul. And it would have made sense. It would have also, I think it would have also given even more value to the Night King. to To the Night King's death. Because we've been building up this creature for seasons now. Multiple seasons. I mean, eight years now. We've been we've been hearing about winter is coming, the Night King. He's coming, and so it would only make sense that to get rid of such a powerful creature, you kind of have to lose, you know, the biggest secret weapon that the living has. I like that, and here's an idea for you. Just gonna throw this out. What if Arya, instead of jumping out from behind with the... Yeah, and once I hate that the Night King was surrounded by all the whites. I, I thought that was a bit goofy. But let's say that doesn't happen. All right, so let's clear out all the whites. Let's say the White Walkers are battling the individuals like John, uh, Brienne, uh, Jamie, Pod, uh, Jorah, whatever, what have you, right? They're all fighting with the White Walkers. Um, I think it would have been better... To have Arya go up, try to save Bran, the Night King kind of tosses her aside, right? Like stabs her, something, where it tosses her aside, so she's bleeding, she's almost dead. And then you end it with her having like, because the Ironborn had bow and arrows everywhere, right? Oh, yeah. It's her crawling over, finding a bow and like, a bow and one last arrow, and it calls back to the very first episode where she shot the arrow over Bran and got a bullseye. And she shoots an arrow with dragon glass on it at the Night King and hits him. That would have been really good. Yeah. That would have been really good. And they even... That's actually a very good idea because they also 
Portia, they would have been set up well with that when she was shooting yes. arrows down in the forest by Gendry. Yes, exactly. And, and she dies, but she's like leaned up against a tree, and like that's her final act. Like I'd, I'd be more than happy for with that ending. Um, but that's not the one we got. So, unfortunate. I also, I feel like they probably could have killed a few more people off. What do you think? Well, considering we had, by Game of Thrones standards, we had a lot of characters to root for in the beginning, and we still had most of them somehow by the end. I mean, we could call it impressive, call it lucky, say that they're really good at surviving, or we could say that they're just saving all these characters for... Uh, not apparently the Great War, but just, you know, the next war. The, the last, the last war. war. There you go, Eric. The last war. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts on the fact that... And, and just take this with a grain of salt, of course. But Walder Frey killed more characters that we like off than the Night King. So is Walder Frey the true? <laughs> Just saying. I don't. I don't know how else to phrase this. Like it, it turns out, the Night King actually wasn't that big of a villain. Uh, but I rest my case. All right. So let's look now at uh, instead of just the deaths. I want to talk about what I would have changed a little bit, and I, I would love to get your thoughts on this as well. So I thought Melisandre. I, I love the fantasy elements of the story. As someone who grew up loving Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, and now I'm I'm on my Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire kick, uh, I, I did love those elements of this story. Melisandre giving birth to that shadow, the Stannis shadow demon in season two. I remember clicking next episode so fast on that. That's when I was, I think, 100% sold on Game of Thrones. I mean, I was pretty close, but that's when I was like, oh, this is awesome. Now, I don't understand the showrunner's thoughts on having Melisandre, by the way, come come on horseback from where the White Walkers are. About They're like 500 yards away, right? And, and she's just trotting on over from where they are. So, happy she can evade them as well. And then I like how she shows up and she does the fire stuff, but it, it all just felt kind of cheap where, okay, so she lights all these guys, you know, swords and everything on fire. Very exciting, really cool visual. I mean, I remember saying I love the show when they light the whole thing up. And then for some reason they go and charge, which isn't a good battle strategy. John, I don't understand what you're doing here. As someone who has no expertise in and like military proceedings, I can tell you right now, when you're facing a, a larger force and a larger number, it's not a good idea. By the way, that force can also turn all the people you're sending at them, and if they kill them, they'll turn them into meat in their own army, right? So It's kind of amazing when you think about it that the Night King didn't, right then and there, turn, like when we saw the horses start coming back at the, uh, you know, at the living, I thought some of those horses were already kind of dead. Same. That would have been cool. And it's uh, very frustrating when you're watching it, thinking, come on. Like, I need, I need something more than you're sending 20, like 20,000 troops are there and it's like, and they're dead. 
Okay, cool. Like, cool visual. Terrible planning, ter- terrible strategy. But back to Melisandra. Melisandra is briefly in Season 7. We see her at the finale of Season 6, and John says, if you come back here, I'll have you hanged as a murderer, right? So she comes back. This episode, we don't know where she's been. We don't know what she's been doing. Apparently, now the Lord of Light's given her some powers, and I would have been perfectly fine if it ended with her doing one all-out attack, right? Like, she walks oh, out yeah. with the Night King and basically, like, I don't care what it is, she just, like, explodes into a ball of fire and kills something, kills a bunch of whites. I don't care what. Just make it fun in, like, a, hey, this is worth all my time way. But they didn't do that. What did they do, Eric? They have her... Basically, bring all that, turn the swords into fire swords. She has, goes out and lights the trench, which is like two feet deep. Like, come on, John. Why in the world wouldn't you dig a super deep trench? I mean, I'm a history history buff, so I've studied wars. My man, dig a trench. Don't, like, if you're going to dig a trench, dig like a five, six foot trench. Build something a little bit bigger than the length of the White Walkers being able to fall over it and make a bridge. Right? Why, like, I, I don't get it. Also, why wouldn't you light all that on fire initially? Like, why wouldn't you just bring your troops back in? You don't want your troops outside here's, the gates. Here's why. I will give them a little credit with this. For one, I don't think they necessarily foresaw the, well, they didn't foresee the, whole, the fact that they were literally going to be fighting an ocean. Not so much a bunch of people. But also the fact, if you notice Grey Worm, when he tells all the men to, uh, you know, to protect the people retreating, and then finally has to say to the people on the wall, light the trench, he's basically committed all the unsullied that are still outside the trench. He's basically sentenced them to death. And I'm fine, and I agree, like, that's sad. Hear me out. Why wouldn't you put the Dothraki behind Winterfell? And you signal to them when to come around and then flank the army of the dead. I agree. That would have been a better use of the uh, most fearsome horsemen. You know, the most fearsome fighters that you could ever have riding on horses. But, eh, you know, the charge of the light brigade. (laughs) Fair enough. I may, honestly, it looks. It sounds like what I would have changed is their battle strategy. That, that would be my first play. Hey guys, uh, you see this battle strategy you have? Yeah, let's get rid of it because it sucks, and let's come up with a new plan. Now, but then I don't like that Melisandre then basically reminds Arya, "You're gonna shut blue eyes." Wink, 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 wink. Like, and then Arya's gone. You're like, okay, there she goes. Well, uh, we haven't seen her in a while. Where's she at? Oh, found her again with the Night King. But then Melisandre says, I, I promise I'm going to die before the dawn. And it's not an earned death. It's a, oh, I walk out here. I take my glamour off. I turn into the old woman who I really am and then just turn to dust. It was basically the writer saying, oh, we got to find a way to kill her. And she's dead. Good. All right. Done. Wrap that up nice and neat. Yeah, right? I don't know. Kind of cheap, cheesy, however you want to phrase it. Uh... It's another episode where where Game of Thrones just early seasons early on early seasons wouldn't have done this. Right? Like Rob lost two thousand men to go and 
end up winning the Battle of the Whispering Wood, but he sacrificed 2,000 men. We don't see these battles, but we hear about them. We understand how it plays out. And I, I'm frustrated that the battle episodes, Battle of the Blackwater, it's probably been the best one. Actually, Eric, let's just jump into our next segment where we want to talk about how this compares to other battles. Let's do it. Let's just jump in. You go first. Uh, let's compare it. Uh, you want to compare, what, what battle would you like to compare this to? I'm going to compare it to, well, for one thing, in terms of just uh, the action that actually happened, uh, I, I, it made me think of first when Danny managed to use her dragons to burn down Young Kai. Um, that was thought that was a great visual of um, just you know total invasion of the city. But the big comparison I would have would be the Battle of the Bastards. Uh, just thinking about you know John once again had to come up with battle strategy. John and Santa. Um, and once again, did not have the best of battle strategies. But while I would say that uh, this one has, I mean, they invested the most amount of time and money and energy into this battle. Granted, they didn't pay for lights, but that's okay. <laughs> they saved. Uh, that's okay. Because it was at night. And to be fair, they're fighting the living dead. So it kind of makes sense that it's going to be dark out. So I was I was actually okay with that, um, but the thing that it did that Battle of the Bastards had that this one didn't have as much of was just some just some moments that tugged at our emotional heartstrings. You know, to start it off, I mean, I will say that Ramsey may be one of the best battle tacticians in Game of Thrones, uh, but also the way you get just this moment of hope with seeing Rickon again. Only for him just to be, mer- you know, mercilessly stripped from us and taken away. I mean, you don't really, we don't get those kind of emotional pulls in, uh, you know, Battle of Winterfell. Oh, dude. Agree 100 million percent. I thought the Battle of the Bastards, we get an incredible ending. So we have... John beating up Ramsey and then Sansa killing him. And then Ramsey killing, you know, 1-1 and saying, I've reconsidered your... Why don't we do one-on-one combat? And on top of it, we get other aspects, uh, like you said, of pulling on emotional heartstrings, where even in the episode, you know, we have, we cut to Danny and Danny and Drogon burning down a lot of different... All the ships and Marine, and they win. And then we get Rickon, we get John. Well, John being trampled and then him realizing, actually, I want to be alive because he kind of is a death death wish all the whole season, right? Uh, oh, yeah. And then finally, it's all right. Awesome. Like, we're here. Man, like, I'm excited. Like, I don't know. I was I was very, very excited about this episode. I thought it was going to pull my emotional heartstrings. And, and we didn't really get it. Like, Ed was Ed, Dion, Jorah were the emotional beats. But even those didn't really feel fulfilled at times, and and I don't, I don't know the right way oh, to say Lady, it. But. And Lady Mormon, let's not forget <sighs> one of the most badass of all of all the characters, one of the most gutsy characters of Game of Thrones, Lady Mormon. That did pull at the heartstrings. Man, I'm I'm gonna fight you on this. I told you this earlier, and I stand by it. 
I think it would have been awesome if the giant came through, swatted her aside, and she just died because she got swatted. Because that's realistic. Man, if, if I get swatted, me or you get swatted, because we're, we're bigger than a 12-year-old girl. So if we got swatted by a giant like that, there's maybe a 5% chance we survive. Maybe. And then you tell me this little girl, while she's getting her bones crushed, is somehow able to use her last bit of strength? Come on. This isn't the Game My of only, Thrones we know. Which is fair. My only defense would be that, well, we do have uh, evidence earlier, like in the first Harry Potter movie, of a bunch of little kids surviving attacked <laughs> by a troll. <laughs> I will... <laughs> it's canon. <laughs> it's canon. It happens. However, I I do agree. I mean, Homegirl got swatted, and yet she's still alive. But I'm going to choose in this moment, even though I agree with you, I'm going to choose this moment to honor the first of the the Stark Bannermen to actually rally for John's cause. And you know, I'm going to honor her in this moment by saying that if it weren't for her. John may not have gotten the support he needed to become king of the north and even have any kind of army at all to challenge Rand. No, I'll agree with that. She gave, she basically was the one who said, I stood up for, you know, House Mormont remembers. Uh, so I, I agree with you completely there. And I like her character. Just thought it was a little bit more fan servicey than old Game of Thrones was. Old Game of Thrones didn't care about fan service, they just cared about delivering. Ever since Ed Sheeran showed up, they've been fan-servicing one thing after the other. Yeah. Yeah, to be fair. So, let's talk about my favorite battle. Now, Eric, let's go back to a simpler time. Remember when we had the Starks, then we had the Lannisters, and we thought that those were the good, the Starks were the good guys, the Lannisters were the bad guys, and Robert was just a fat king who liked wine and sleeping with women who weren't his wife. Now let's fast forward just one season after that. Robert's dead, and Joffrey's on the throne, and we get Tyrion Lannister running King's Landing. We love season two Game of Thrones. Uh, On the rewatch, it's extremely enjoyable i love all of Tyrion's scenes especially the we've had vicious kings we've had idiot kings but we've never been cursed with a vicious idiot king incredible line and then we get the battle of the blackwater where we see months you know essentially months of planning by Tyrion pay off in a huge way when the wildfire explodes and then reassume kills off Davos kills off his son Davos of course still alive but his son's dead and then half of Stannis' army's all dead and it was I mean at the time watching it was incredible it was so enjoyable so shocking and really got you going in that episode and then at the same time Stannis is about to overrun the Mudgate and Tyrion leads the defense at the very end and says you know don't fight for your king these are your homes, you know, your homes that we're defending, your women we're protecting. These are, you know, this is for your family. Screw all everyone else. Fight with me and let's go save the city. And it was a powerful moment. It was an incredible moment. We also get Sansa up at underneath the crypts. This battle had some of that, but without as much heart. Like you said, going back to that heart piece. 
We don't get Tyrion's final payoff. We don't get the Sir Mandon Moore turning on Tyrion. And most importantly, we don't have a drunk Cersei to entertain us. <laughs> yeah, a drunk, crude Cersei who's uh, corrupting poor little Sansa. But Sansa's good in that episode. She's great at rallying the support of, to quote uh, Cersei, all the hens, right? And she calls her little dove. She's great at saying, should we sing a hymn? <laughs> like, everyone now. Uh, it is kind of funny. It is kind of funny the, to think about that in, back in that episode when she was uh, young and naive and optimistic that she had, she had all the women singing. Whereas in this episode, like you were talking about as earlier, as touching as that moment was with Samson Tyrion, they basically were just sitting there and having their little fun, you know, kissing each other's hands while everyone else in the crypt was getting killed by White Walkers. <laughs> oh, man. That's... Yeah, gonna have, to, gonna have to agree with you on that. I mean, at the same time, my only question for John. Hey, John. Uh, Cersei and them went underneath the Red Keep. They knew where they were. It was smart planning. Somehow John failed to mention, hey guys, so the Night King is able to bring up, you know, bring people back to life here. Uh, so let's put you all in the crypts where he shouldn't be able to bring you all back to life because he can't see you. I mean, that, that's the only logic there. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, where else would they have gone? Oh, where else? I mean, great question. I would have just sent him south, right? Like, I think that's a better use of your time. Because there's not there's not enough people there. It's just, hey, we're going to send you guys south to, like, Moat Caitlin. I actually thought they were going to lose. Let's actually jump onto that, because I know we've talked briefly about some of the other battles, and we're about to do scoreboard here and check on last week's uh, winnings. But I want to ask you this. Are you shocked that they won the Battle of Winterfell? Well, short answer, no. I'm not. Okay. Because... Judging from, let me put it this way, and to talk about who in referencing uh, with, like some of the other battles, part of what made the other battles so great is we had no idea what the outcome was going to be. You know, Battle of the Blackwater, we legitimately didn't know if House Lannister was going to die right then and there or not. Um, you know, the true. battles with the, the Wildlings and the Night's Watch, and sure, we had a pretty good idea that John was somehow going to win, but the Wildlings could have taken over. They could have taken over the wall, no problem. Uh, you know, Battle of the Bastards, like, I mean, who knows? Like, it took a miracle of the, the Knights of the Veil vale coming in for, you know, John and the Starks to pull that one out. I mean, this one, they've, they've kind of built up this the show and the season to such a point that, well, it's only episode three. Sure. If there's three yep. more episodes. There's only three episodes left. So realistically, they're either they were either all going to die or some miracle was going to happen and they were going to win. So I'm not surprised. I'm surprised in the way it happened, just not in what physically took place. Okay, fair enough. I somewhat agree. I actually thought they were going to lose and have to retreat. I, I was really hoping that they were going to fight at Heron Hall because. You know, Tywin says in season two, Harrenhal was able to hold off a million men. The problem were the dragons. 
no one ever expected them. So I am slightly, I guess, uh, slightly upset with that. I think it would have been cool. But either way, we have them winning the Battle of Winterfell. Let's go now to our scoreboard update, Eric, if you'd be interested in that, because we have a winner this week. So reviewing last week's notes, Eric, we both gave some bold predictions. And if it makes you feel better, my predictions were much worse than your predictions. So congratulations. You're right. That does make me feel better. We're going to crown you champion and give you a crown of blue roses like Rhaegar did to Lyanna. Oh, gosh. That's not not foreboding. Oh, no, what? No, let's ignore that. Let's give you a champion's purse. That's better. I like that. I like that. I can go spend it. There it is. <laughs> Second time's the, uh, the charm. So, all right, let's just take a look at last week, though. So, me and Eric both made predictions. So, we said, who's going to stay alive without a doubt? Eric picked Sansa. Good pick. I picked Jamie. Uh, surprisingly, Jamie should have been dead, but survived. So, I got kind of lucky there, but Sansa was a much safer pick. Nice job on that. Why, thank you. Jamie was like the 12 seed that pulled it off. Oh, very much so. a strong five seed. No, we're going to call Jamie uh, Liberty. Yes. Jamie was Liberty pulling it off. Yes. Actually, they're, they're more like Oregon. Because, you know, Liberty kind of barely squeaked by. You know, if Grey Worm survived, Jamie was definitely going to survive. Jamie, you know, Grey Worm's the Liberty in this. Jamie's the Oregon, where they just kind of put their foot down and, and went. So. Uh, Grey Worm was kind of... Grey Worm was kind of like the, the SF Austin. That was a 14 seed. Like... <laughs> Last year, the year before, yeah. and managed to beat the three seed. Yep, yeah, like they'll push him to overtime. Exactly. Where you're like, wow, look at them. Good, good work. So congratulations to our people who stayed alive, which actually is almost everybody. Who died? Uh, Eric, you picked Jorah. Congratulations. Jorah died defending his Khaleesi. Uh, anything you'd like to say on behalf of Jorah Mormont? You know, we did get to know him pretty well. Glad he somehow managed to get rid of that grayscale. Thanks to him, well, Charlie. And yeah, he was a good character. Great, he was a good addition to the Game of Thrones universe. Definitely, I don't understand, I suppose, the grayscale. Uh, I don't feel like we needed that at all. But, whatever. Not, not my decision. So, congratulations, Jorah. Thank you for surviving grayscale and then dying by your queen's side. Well done. Uh, my pick was another Danny advisor, was Grey Worm. Grey Worm last week, Eric, talked about a beach vacation. All I'm saying is I was lied to. <laughs> when was the last time a character talks about a beach vacation before a battle and then survives said battle? You know, you had, you had, if, if this were black, or, um, if this were poker... You'd have had Ace King and gone all in, or at least spent most of your stack, and you'd have lost to the dude who got tricked too. Dude, for real. That's exactly what happened here. Is you're like, what? Wait, like, so you guys are telling me that, and then also, let's just get on that for the scoreboard. Let's talk about the campfire crew. Eric, no one in the campfire crew last week, the Brienne, Pod, Jor, or I'm sorry, Brienne, Pod, Jamie, Barrick. No, not even Barrick. Who was it? Uh, oh, Davos. Um, Tyrion. Is that everybody? Oh, Torment. You said, you said Torment. Yeah. There you go. No one in that crew died. 
That is a miracle. Because last week, I felt like we just said goodbye to everyone. Oh, yeah. We got their swan song. And apparently not so much. So, with no one that we really cared about dying, like, you know, some people died, but not, like, the top-tier people. You know, we didn't see a Tyrion, Sansa, John, Danny death. Or we didn't even get a Tier 2 death. You know, like Arya, Jamie, Brienne. We, we didn't get any of those people to die. No Tormund death. So yeah. we kind of got jibbed here. My question for you is next week, I don't think we're going to have any real death. I don't foresee, but who knows. So we're at the midseason. Eric, going forward, the next three episodes, who are you predicting right now is going to die and who do you think will stay alive? Oh, boy. Well, it's going to be a tough call as far as who dies next. Um, I'm going to pick Tormund to die next. All right. I'm locking you in. That's a good pick. Yep. And the reason, here's the reason being, is that as much as, I I mean, we we love the show, and we appreciate how much the writers have done over the years. Oh, yeah. with With the character development and the plot, great. But it is slightly be- it is becoming slightly more predictable, and they're saving. They're clearly saving a lot more of these characters for some some bigger end for the final battle, a little further south in Winterfell. Uh, so I think Tormund is going to die in some way. We know that Ron he has that magic crossbow. Yep. To try to kill, you know, to kill somebody. I think in some way. I had thought at first I would think that he's going to somehow manage to try to shoot Jamie. And originally, I would have thought that Brienne might be the one to step in the way to stop it. But I think somehow, some way, shape, or form, Tormund's actually going to be the one to manage to take that blow. Okay. I like that. All right. Uh, Good thought process there. Uh, Who do you think is going to stay alive by the end of the series? Good pick. Look at you. Doubling down on a previous winning. I like it. All right. I mean, she's like Kansas. She's there every year. One of the years, they'll pull it off. Yeah, like they're always they're always in the hunt for the Final Four. And in 08, they pulled it off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So, Eric, I've made a mistake once. I'm not going to make a mistake again. So that's why I'm doubling down on Grey Worm to die. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's, it's a oh, bold no. strategy. I, I have to. You know, he might. He, he may as well book those flights now, because the way the way you're going, he's gonna stay alive now. That's true. Like, don't buy the insurance. You're gonna be all right. You'll <laughs> <laughs> be fine. It's just a hoax. If he ends up on a beach in North, I will be so angry. Mainly with myself for getting emotionally invested in this character dying. Eric, every episode going forward, I'm going to hope he dies, so I'm not proven wrong. But I rest my case. Uh, character I think that's <laughs> going to stay alive. Um, I like your pick of Sansa. I really, really do. It's a tough call here. I'm going to go character I think that's going to be alive at the end because John doesn't kill the Night King. So what's John's purpose left? I have to say John, John stays alive. John is my, 
you know, John then is meant to rule the seven kingdoms, maybe with Danny, maybe by himself. But I think that's how this ends, is with John there. We also get a vision of the Red Keep. In season two, we have a vision with Danny where the Red Keep, it looks like there's snow falling in the Red Keep. But now that the White Walkers are dead, I believe it's Ash. Mm. So I think Danny. And she's left to be Queen of the Ashes. Yes, and I, I think John is going to. I think John is actually going to be in charge. I don't think Danny is. I think she'll end up dying. That just feels more, more likely. But yeah, I, I think John will be the one to. Rule reluctantly, and he could even be like Thanos, where he just decides that he's gonna go after he's done his job, he's gonna go hang out on a farm. Which probably wouldn't you know what be he could do. You know what he could do is go end up. Could you imagine if after all this, imagine that John decided he wanted to go and rebuild the wall? Yeah, I could see that too. Like, he just goes north and he says, I'm good, I just want to be up here, I want to be the Lord Commander. So. They'll take a, which we haven't seen since Ghost rode off in battle with the forward the Light Brigade men, but we never saw him die, so I hope Ghost is still alive. That was so, that's another cheap aspect. I, I'm, we're already over an hour, so I don't want to go too deep into it, but yeah, they, they kind of, the writers just were like, all right, let's send Ghost on this mission, and then we'll just keep him alive and, you know, make something up. <laughs> Ghost is in the woods. He found a deer the whole time. Yeah, crazy. Um, all right, Eric. We are at the end here. Uh, next week looks to be a bit of a reset where it's, all right, guys, like, let's go beat Cersei. We have King's Landing footage, so that'll be nice. Uh, any expectations from you next week? Any, you know, any areas you're expecting to, like, I guess, what are you expecting to see? Or are you just kind of expecting more of what we saw in the first two episodes? Just more of the same. Yeah. All I think this episode will, all we'll really see is we'll, we're just going to see more tension between Danny and the Starks because now she's got, I mean, she's always had fans against her, but now she's got Arya who killed the Night King. I mean, everyone's going to be, you know, in support of Arya. Um, and then the only person she's got really in her camp, John, and I mean, she's also lost a lot of her Dothraki. She's lost a lot of the Unsullied. She's lost Jorah. And even her lover is you know, also a Targaryen and has a better throne or claim to the throne. But I think there's just going to be more tension. I, you know, and but somehow I think John will probably get the North to rally behind her. What I would love to see, and I don't think this is going to happen because the Lannisters are, well, Cersei is sitting too pretty. I would love if the Lannisters decided, you know what, Winterfell is in shambles. Let's mar- let's march north. Yes, I love it. Good theory. It's or better yet, let's take the ships north. Yes, perfect, man. And then like Yara can always come to the rescue, and they just go to the Iron Islands. Man, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. I like that. Nice job, Eric. It's not going to happen, but that's what I would want to have. That. Yeah, I like that thought. Like where you're at. Um, all right. Well, I'm actually. I'm kind of done here i actually i'm not really expecting much next week uh miguel sapachnik everyone the guy who directed battle of the bastards he also directed the past episode battle of winterfell his second episode he directs every year is very good so he directed the winds of winter as well 
He's directing episode 5, not episode 4, episode 5. I expect to see something good in episode 5. Yes. People know him as the battle guy, but ep- you know, Winds of Winter is a great episode. I know a lot of that's because of the writing. However, I, I think we're going to see some really, really, really exciting things here in that episode, especially if there's some more tension built up in this next one. So, Agreed. Um, all right. Well, you know what? I am good here. Big episode for us. Thanks, uh, Eric, for joining. I mean, that was a pretty long one. Uh, anything you want to say before we get out of here? You know, we've been waiting for seven seasons for winter, winter to finally come. It came and went. It fell at, wait for it, winter fell. Look at you. Man, that episode took, <laughs> took probably a year off my life. All for winter to show up and then be gone. The battle for the dawn is over. I love, I saw a tweet and it says, uh, it was HBO saying, the great war is over. And someone responded, oh, that was crazy. Seemed like it only lasted about a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all jokes aside, we did, we did get to see a great episode. So. Yeah, that was good. It was one of those episodes where, looking back, it's easier to. I don't like. I don't think we're nitpicking. I just think we're finding a show that was known for always saying that it's it's smart. It's a well written show. It's always thinking three steps ahead. I don't think it's wrong for us to kind of question some of that in this episode. Um, however, you know, if it was a CW show, I would be okay with these plot holes because it's a CW show. But they've been going on and acting like, you know, the Game of Thrones is, we're, you know, we're doing so many creative, you know, writing projects here where there's going to be some scenes that you can't even imagine. You don't expect at all. And then you're seeing these scenes and it's, well, maybe, maybe some, some of us fans could have actually inputted and been more helpful here. Uh, but at the same time, I know it's probably very, very, very stressful for Benioff and Weiss to do what they do. So can't complain. Uh, Eric, thank you so much. We will be watching next week as episode four of season eight comes on. The name won't be released till after it because, you know, that makes sense. So, yeah. Uh, enjoy, everybody. Hope you guys are enjoying Game of Thrones. Uh, I, I hate. I am happy we were at least able to talk about the stuff we liked, but also kind of point out a few, few flaws that we saw in the episode that doesn't make it, in my opinion, a top 10 episode. Uh, very good, but just not top tier. So, anyway. Well, that's all I have for us, Eric. You good? I'm alright. Looking forward to next week. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited, and please, please, kill Grey Worm. <laughs> please. I can't Do be- not send him on his luxury vacation. You know what? If you put him on that luxury boat, make sure it's the Titanic. That's all I ask. Oh, blow, blow. No, I don't want to do that. That's awful. That's horrible. Could you imagine? Man, he just wants to have fun with the Sandy. Oh, Let him have his fun. Yeah, man, but the guy... I mean, you know what I'm thinking. The guy The guy doesn't really have any junk in the trunk. Like, I don't know. If you're, if you're a man without said part, I don't know what the point of going on a beach vacation is. Well, the point is, he likes the sun, 
and he wants to he wants to be the first unsullied to get married. Who can hate a guy for that? Ah, you, you put it well. Like, and it's once again, I get going on the vacation. I'm not saying that's the only reason you go on vacation. It's more of just if you're gonna go with a pretty girl, wouldn't you the whole time be just like, ah, oh, shoot? If Krasnack didn't cut my wiener off when I was three. <laughs> You know, that's an unfortunate side effect, but <laughs> if, there's, if there's a guy who seems like he could make it work, it would be great work. So, All right, we, we need we'll to get out of here. Him. We need to get out of here now. <laughs> Eric, thank you so much for joining uh, me today. Everyone, thank you guys for listening. Uh, make sure to keep track of all the different episodes. We have a lot coming out. Plus, I'm actually writing an article on Avengers. I, was, I mean, I've got a lot kind of going on here. For that, I want to make sure I do it justice. So it's taken me a little too long uh, to write it. I'm sorry, but I'm going to have an article on that, and we're going to have some Game of Thrones stuff. So just be prepared. Check us out, offscriptonline.com, and make sure to keep uh, listening to all our different podcasts. Uh, we're, we're excited to be on here. And as I always say, Eric, please, if you guys like this show, if you like the different segments we do, please message us. We love getting feedback from everybody um especially when it's like show related uh you know my favorite was when we were talking about a uh, movie a few you know probably a month or two ago us that's what it was it was us and i got a few messages about that people liked it some people didn't so send us stuff i love reading through it and then responding um actually makes my day so eric there you go do you like that it makes my day that's good to hear if you want to make connor happy basically just please listen to us and please respond Oh, man. All right, bye. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, As always, it's a pleasure working with you, Eric. And uh, until next week, we'll see you guys.